Welcome to Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. It's Mondays with Matt. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Mark Killian here alongside Matthew Starkey, investment advisor representative, president and owner at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. He is an RIA, that's a registered investment advisor, serving you right here in the Saginaw area. And we're coming to you on Mondays here with our podcast. Check them out online at GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. That's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. If you've got questions and concerns, also give them a jingle, 989-401-2945. It's 989-401-2949. Matthew, welcome in, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you today? Doing pretty well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate you being back here with me on the podcast. We got some good stuff to talk about this week. I wanted to kick it off here with our In the News and a good headline that I saw I wanted to get your opinion on. Gold has been bouncing around near its low point of the year. Well, it's really been bouncing all around for the past few months. And most analysts aren't saying it doesn't look like a particularly attractive investment right now. What is your take in general on owning gold? Well, I think gold is great for jewelry, um, (laughs) but not necessarily great for your portfolio. And gold has a long-term rate of return that isn't great. It's a commodity and it jumps around. It's going to continue to have really, really bad years and then have a few good years here and there. But their long-term rate of return on gold tends to be in the 4 to 5% range if you own it for 30, 40 years. And so we generally stay away from buying commodities as hard assets to throw in the safe as a certainty for your portfolio. There's a lot of people that make a lot of money with gold, but it's usually the authors and the newscasters that are selling it. No, that's true. That's probably a good point. And so I like your thought there. It's certainly good for jewelry. It's good as a gift. <laughs> But you always want to make sure that you're having a conversation about it in your retirement portfolio. Is it something more speculative, Matt, where it's like if you do want to have some gold, you keep it at like that 5% kind of thing of your portfolio? Yeah. I always tell people if you need every last cent to take income from your portfolio, you got to be careful about buying hard assets. You know, you can buy classic cars and antiques and different things. And gold is one of those things that, you know, you just cannot go out and really, you know, exchange gold coins for a gallon of gas or some bread. Right. You know, you're going to lose out. So what I like to do is keep those retirement assets fairly liquid and easily exchangeable. There's higher producing asset categories and gold just isn't one of those. Well, that's our In the News segment here on Mondays with Matt as we're kicking off this podcast today with Matthew Starkey of Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. So let's turn our attention towards our main topic today, Matt, and that is five hidden expenses that you need to know about. Just because you can't plainly see all the expenses you'll incur during the retirement planning process doesn't mean they're not there, right? So I'll give you a couple categories here and let's discuss a few of the bigger ones. Mutual fund expenses. Let's start with that one. Some fund expenses can be found in the prospectus. Others are kind of hard to see and you really need that advisor to help you there. Well, that's right. Mutual funds are something that a lot of people just don't understand even what they're buying when they go to buy them. So a mutual fund basically is a mutual offering to investors. For instance, if you have a growth mutual fund, you're going to buy with many other investors growth stocks and you pay a fund manager. So that manager gets paid by the expense ratio that is found in the prospectus. And that expense ratio, you can predictably plan to pay that expense ratio But some of those other hard to see fees 
come into play. Some mutual funds have what's called a 12B1 fee. Those are also listed in the prospectus, but that can easily account for a quarter percent of your earnings every year. And then the fund manager, depending on if you are hiring an active fund manager or a passive manager, can accumulate a lot of expenses. An active manager simply is very active with the portfolio. They do a lot of selling, they do a lot of buying, and each time that portfolio is turned over or sold and then repurchased, that cost is absorbed by the investors in the fund. So you might be thinking, well, I'm buying this mutual fund because you know I tend to think that growth is going to take off and, and this fund manager or this company has a good reputation. Well, they might, but we have a process that we analyze the in-depth costs of those mutual funds and we actually can calculate the turnover number in the portfolio. That's, again, how much active buying and selling is going on. And people that have looked into these numbers, like John Bogle from Vanguard says, hey, this could easily account to 12 to 14% additional fees in that expense of that fund for the year. So those hidden expenses really are worth getting an independent analysis done on the portfolio to find out if you're paying those, because those kind of expenses and fees can truly hurt your long-term performance and really cost you in the long run. Well, let's talk about a few more of those hidden expenses places to be concerned about, Matthew. Variable annuity fees, for example. Obviously, the A word can be very you know, stark for some people. They kind of like, oh, no, annuities. But you, know, you, you can find out the fees if you know where to look, but that's the big question. A lot of times, people just don't know where to look, and you got to be careful with these annuity fees as well. <laughs> yeah, Mark, you do. Variable annuities are one of the reasons that I got out of the brokerage business. Um, <laughs> when I worked captive for an insurance company, we were told we had to sell so much product. And the product was their variable annuities and variable life insurance. And for most people, those fees are really high. And there's only one or two good reasons to own a variable annuity. And I just can't think of it right now. <laughs> but uh, seriously, the variable annuity, what investors need to know right up front is that prospectus that is about 250 pages that they verified that they read before they bought it, inside of there, you want to turn to the pages that show the fees. One of those fees is mortality and expense charge. So when I buy a variable annuity, number one, you don't need to own a variable annuity with an IRA. And if you have one, you should definitely go get an analysis done today. Don't wait. Get it done now because you're overpaying for that IRA. But variable annuities are bought for non-qualified money. They're a retirement vehicle. And so they operate on some of the similar rules of retirement plans. One of those is tax deferred benefit. So if I buy a variable annuity when I'm young for non-qualified assets, that allows the money to compound, grow inside of that tax deferred, just like an IRA. But when I take that money out down the road, there's a tax consequence. But to talk about the fees and to stay on point, there's a mortality and expense charge with each variable annuity. And this tends to be in the one and a half to 2% range for most policies. Then a lot of people, as they're getting ready to retire, they get sold on the idea of guaranteed growth. Maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 7%. No matter what the market does, we'll guarantee to grow your money. Well, that's buying an income rider which costs more money than just the mortality and expense charges. So the average investor pays that mortality and expense charge, usually a percent and a half, 1.65 is common. 
Then they buy an income rider to guarantee growth, no matter what the market does. But that guarantee typically only comes into play when somebody wants to take the income from their portfolio. In other words, it's an artificial number. It'll grow your assets if you lock in and take out an income for life. And what I find with clients, Mark, is that they want to take out a chunk here or a chunk there. They don't necessarily buy it just for a steady, straight income stream. Their needs change through retirement, and thus their income changes during retirement too. So those income rider fees can easily cost 1% to 1.5% additional. And then inside those variable annuities, you also have those mutual fund expense fees. So there's expenses really on three different levels that I find with most of those variable annuities, and they become very dangerous. Most people that are invested, at least in the first 10 years, pay upwards of three and a half to four and a half percent when they own a variable annuity. Wow. Well, certainly some areas to think about here. We're talking about hidden expenses on Mondays with Matt. This is the podcast with Matthew Starkey, and we're discussing, like I said, these hidden expenses. We've covered mutual funds a little bit, variable annuity fees. Let's talk about inflation as another hidden expense, Matthew. Inflation is like calories, man. We all know that it exists. We're all aware of it. But if you really want that cheeseburger, you really want that cheeseburger and you turn a blind eye to it. Well, inflation's the same way, kind of. We know it's there, but we don't pay attention. And it can really seriously erode our financial plan over time. Yeah, that's right. Inflation is one of those things that I, I like to think about. If I have a pile of money, let's say it's $10,000, my $10,000 will buy X amount of goods and services in today's dollars. If I project that into the future and I say, well, with 3% inflation over the next 10 years, my $10,000 might buy $7,500 worth of goods and services. If my money didn't change, I still have 10,000 you know, greenbacks, but <laughs> the quantity of goods and services that it buys depletes because prices go up. So that's a way to think about inflation. And you're definitely correct that we all know it's there, but do we really factor the impact on it? Over time, what we like to do is use a calculator, and you can find those right in our free information on our website. And so what we do is just plug in what dollars you have currently and factor in inflation, factor in return, and what that portfolio might look like in 10 years or 20 years down the road. So inflation is one of those things you have to pay attention because it will eat your lunch and you have to grow your money <laughs> with a plan to at least keep pace with inflation, if not try to outperform the inflation with your portfolio, that will protect your standard of living over time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Don't let it eat your lunch. I like that. That's a good saying. So another place to keep an eye out, Matthew, on hidden expenses is tax increases. Look, everybody's pretty excited and obviously the economy has responded well to the tax plan that was put through. You know, right now it's probably the lowest it's going to be for maybe quite a while. At some point, we have to at least consider the fact that it may be going up in the future and you've got to plan accordingly. Yes, that's right. I mean, we are recording this in 2018 and we saw the benefits recently of a new and improved tax plan. It ended up being a reduction of tax for most American taxpayers when President Trump put forth that plan and was passed into law. So one of the things about taxes, and I think is kind of neat to talk about, is when I have less tax on my income, I take more of my income home. So generally, those tax reduction in the budget tends to allow me more money to take home. So I'm either going to pay off debt or I'm going to spend that money in the economy. 
And usually you see an increase with the economy. But long term, we also have to factor into account that our budget has allowed America to get on the hook for debt. And right now it's like $21 trillion of the national deficit. Pretty crazy. uh, National debt. So yes, long term, the only way that we're going to reduce that is either get really good with our budget, which I (laughs) I think is really hard for people to do, make cuts, or we're going to have to raise taxes. And so as those tax rates go up, it will have an effect on both the money you withdraw. The government has this rule on IRAs and 401k withdrawals that 70 and a half, the year following the year in which you're turned 70 and a half, you have to take the required minimum distribution. Why? Because they want to get their tax money. And so they force Americans to take these money out of retirement accounts for these taxes. So we have to be careful when we're planning our retirement. Normally, I talk to people about taxable income, and then we like tax-free income using Roths and maybe even converting some of our traditional balances to a Roth so that we're not forced to take it out and pay tax later on down the road. With tax rates at an all-time low right now, this might be a time to consider maybe converting a chunk of your traditional money that will be taxed down the road because tax rates are really, really low. So this might be the best time to pay some of those taxes. As we see the deficit and as we see uh, more of the boomers retiring, I anticipate that Congress is going to have to raise taxes down the road, which means that there's a bigger lien on your retirement account, and that lien is placed there by the government. Well, certainly some things to keep in mind as we're talking about hidden expenses that you need to know about in your retirement planning process. We'll finish off the last one here on our five hidden expenses. If you caught our first podcast last week, we mentioned briefly about increased activities into retirement, and that's another place that a hidden expense can get you. Look, even if you don't have wildly ambitious travel plans for retirement, The fact that you have so much extra time on your hands is going to cause us to spend money. My dad used to tell me when he got to retirement before he passed away, Matthew, that every day was a Saturday. And what happens on Saturday is you spend more money than you do during the work week. So you got to keep in mind about those increased leisure activities, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's easy when you are sitting around to, hey, let's go do this or let's go do that or maybe go out to eat. Well, you got to watch it because without a clear, distinct plan, you do tend to spend more. That's just a proven fact. So a real good example for increased leisure activity, I've got several clients that summer in one area and they winter in another area. Up here in Michigan, a lot of people like to get out of town for a couple of months in the winter. So they buy a place in Florida or more recently, I sat down with a lady who wanted to purchase a place in Texas. Well, when you buy another residence in another state, you can imagine what kind of expenses are going to be incurred. You've got to A, pay for the place, then you have taxes in that local area, and you have insurance, and you have maintenance fees. So whether that's buying a new home, or maybe you do have ambitious travel plans, we've got people that buy campers or fifth wheels, and they like to go spend a couple of months here or there, you got to factor those expenses in. So yeah, increasing your leisure activity can definitely add to your cost or your expenses for retirement. So keep that in mind when you're planning that next ambitious travel destination that, hey, you've got to watch out for those kind of things because they add up. And if they're not paid attention to, normally I, if somebody likes to travel, for example, I will kind of coach them into develop a budget and say, hey, if we're going to take a nice trip every year, maybe we set aside $1,000 a month. And you know your travel might cost you 8000 this year. Next year, it might cost you 12000 
or if you have a down year, you, you know, you might only spend four or five, but set aside a monthly budget amount that is allocated towards travel or leisure and just get used to that as part of your cash flow. Then when you go to do that, you've got the money already set aside. And so beware of that as one of those hidden expenses for retirement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're listening to Mondays with Matt podcast with Matthew Starkey, investment advisor representative at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. And we're going to finish off our podcast this week with an email question that we got into the website. That's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. It's from Nadine in Midland. And she says, hey, Matthew, I've heard that it's wise to roll over my 401k after leaving my job. So that's what I've always planned to do. But that account has been doing really well the last several months, so I'm hesitant to make any changes to it. Should I leave it alone? Thank you, Nadine. Well, Nadine, thank you for that question. That's a great question. A lot of times we have that 401k and it might have a fund or two that is performing very well in our portfolio. Is it wise to roll over that money? One of the things that we run into when we talk about 401ks and leaving your employer is, do I want to leave it where my former employer gets to make the choices on the investments that are in the plan? A lot of times when employers look at a 401k plan, they choose a plan based on investment options offered and expense to administer that plan. So naturally, if you go for the Cadillac plan, if you work for one of those highly profitable employers, that might be okay. But Nadine, what I would tell you is what you need to do is have an independent analysis done. Just because you have a couple of really good months of performance doesn't necessarily mean it's placed in a position that's going to protect you if the market changes, if the market goes down. So rolling it over to an IRA gives you the most flexibility as far as investment choices. And also when you decide to distribute those assets, if it's left in a 401k plan, many times they have a IRS requirement that when you take money out, they withhold 20% automatically just to make sure the IRS gets paid. In an IRA, you have choices to withhold zero. If you think your taxable amount, you know, your tax bracket's going to be low and you don't need to withhold taxes, or you can choose to withhold a different amount. But rolling it to an IRA tends to give you the most flexibility. And even if those accounts are doing well, you could potentially retain those same investments or invest in the same funds outside of a 401 but it also opens up the world of investing, the whole universe to all options out there. So a lot of times you'll see you'll have better options outside that employer 401k. All right, Nadine. Well, thank you so much for the question. Hopefully that helps. If not, go ahead and reach out and talk directly with Matthew at 989-401-2949, 989-401-2949 to talk with Matthew at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. This has been Mondays with Matt Podcast. We certainly appreciate everyone tuning into this podcast. Feel free to share it with anyone that you'd like to. And as always, check back with us for more podcasts in the future. Find them online at greatlakesretirementsolutions.com and on iTunes as well. Matthew, thank you for being here with me again this week on the podcast. I hope you have a good one. Thank you, Mark. And here's to a great fourth quarter. Absolutely. Great fourth quarter for everyone. That's what we hope for. This has been Mondays with Matt, the podcast. So we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.